ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. It is Monday, July 17th. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan, here until 6 o'clock. We're going to get, of course, your text in. We'll do that this hour at 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. We'll get you caught up on what happened in baseball action last night. we get a couple of games to tell you about coming up tonight right here on ESPN. 94.1 and AM 930. We've got the Pirates and the Guardians, so we'll get into a little bit of that with you. We'll check out what happened in the NBA Summer League semifinal. Houston and Utah going at it. How Tavion Kenzie do? We'll get into that. We've got the news of the day, as I mentioned, your text, and, of course, some good news for the Thundering Herd. If you keep track of these things, uh, some more players receiving some preseason honors this time on pff.com's preseason all-sun belt team. So we'll get into all of that and more. How was your weekend? That's where I want to start because, first of all, I had to do it on Paramount Plus because, well, DirecTV and WOWK are in a, they're in a war with each other right now. You can't watch WOWK on DirecTV. I hadn't even noticed to tell you how long it's been since I've watched Channel 13, no shade dropped here. Just, I'm sorry, after the fifth different spinoff of NCIS, I can't do it every day. But I wanted to tune in because I knew that they were going to show on their flashback game, they had the 1992 national championship game between Marshall and Youngstown State, and I watched every single minute of that. I lived it in 1992. I have it on VHS. I might have it on Super VHS. I have to dig around and see if I actually have that tape. And I don't think I've watched that game. I don't know if I've watched that game in 25 years. 25. I don't. I can't remember. But we see this. We see the the, the soundbite and and the video of Jim Nance calling the kick. Merrick, yes, one of the greatest calls in television history, at least in my biased head so it was fun i got to watch a little bit of that and i noticed a couple other people were watching as well so i was actually having a good time texting back and forth with tim stevens from the herald dispatch and i told tim at one point i tweeted about this i was like tim we should be live tweeting this game air quotes here live tweeting this game we should be doing it because we lived it I was a fan in the, in the stands. Tim, of course, was in the box. I was on, I think it was on the 10-yard line. Press box side, 10-yard line, near the shoey. I think that's where I was at. And I was still in college at Marshall. So I was jacked to be there. I was excited. Front row. I, you know, do you think I, as as a student... You think I'm going to get front row today? I got front row. I was living large and in charge. And again, of course, this wasn't a Marshall game. This was a 1AA championship game ticket that I bought. So I had the tickets. I was there. And some things about the game, just watching it and going back in time, was really fascinating to just go back and see how, how it was. Back when the stadium was brand new and pristine, 
I mean, wow, that it looked really, really new. That was the first thing that took me back. It's like, yeah, this place looks really pristine and new. You know, it's not 30 some years later, it's now, it's new. And how many of you would agree? Orlando Hatchet was just a beast in that game. How many of you would agree with that? I thought that he was one to definitely watch going into that game, and then my opinion has not changed. Orlando Hatchet was a beast in that game. And then, of course, I remember the line from Nance because I always joked about it. Nance, because I watched the game after I lived it. I went back and watched the game. And Nance was talking about, you know what the team did? To get ready for this? Like, no, what did they do? They went to the movies. What did they go see? They go see something with action? No, they go and watch Home Alone 2. I'm thinking, that's a violent movie. What are you talking about, Nance? That is a violent movie. So I think every herd team before a big game should watch Home Alone 2. Somebody's got a VHS copy of that somewhere, right? Can we get that on DVD? Is there a Blu-ray of this? We can We can show the team before a big game. Get them all together. Just watch as a bonding exercise. Hey, if it was good enough for the 1992 National Championship team, it's good enough for you. Here it is, Home Alone 2. I I think that should be a tradition here. But, yeah, that was fun watching that. And there is a point in the game, absolutely. And, of course, I know what the outcome is going to be. I lived it. A lot of you lived it. We all know. And we got to the point where – Marshall's up 28-0 over Youngstown State, and I'm feeling good about life. I'm feeling good about life because the herd's up. There's no way Marshall can lose this now. Marshall's just done a fantastic job on defense, keeping Youngstown State off the board. There's nothing can go wrong. And then, and then... Now, I forgot it all started it all started with Herb Williams. So Herb Williams gets into the end zone, and I'm like, okay, that's just one. Back then, it's like, okay, they got one. But I started stressing out a little bit watching this thing because I knew what was going to happen. I knew the outcome, but I'm stressing out a little bit. Like, okay, here it comes. Here it comes. Tamron Smith, here he goes again. Tamron Smith. And he started just going off on the herd. Too easy. Too easy. You have the you have the fun of going back and watching this thing and hearing the trash talk. Yeah, at, at the time you weren't hearing that, but he's talking trash too easy. Talking to the TV cameras, and all of a sudden you're thinking, uh-oh, here we go again. Marshall's going to lose this. Marshall's going to lose this. And then they tie it. And... You know, Nance is going over the overtime rules, and I'm sitting there going, okay, I, I know what's going to happen here, but I don't understand why I'm flashing back to when I was in the stand watching Youngstown State make that lead evaporate. And so finally, finally, his first kick ever, Willie Merrick, his first field goal attempt ever, and You've seen the call. If you haven't seen the game, you've seen the call where Nance just goes, Merrick, yes. Marshall has time on the clock. 
The PA announcer is telling everyone, hey, stay off the field. Stay off the field. And then Marshall goes on and wins this thing with seconds left. And, of course, nobody stayed off the field that day. I didn't stay off the field. Nobody stayed off the field. I don't know why I was doing that. I just ran the field, too. Why not? I'm just running the field. I'm on the field. I'm having a good time. Don't know what compelled me to do it. Younger, younger version of me. That's what compelled me to do it. And I thought this was super fun. This was absolutely a blast to go back and watch that game. I'm not talking about just like a game from a few years ago. I'm talking about 1992, just to go back, way back in time. For some of you, you weren't alive. For others, hey, it feels like yesterday. Just going back in time, watching that game. And I wish that they could show the 96 game, but that's an ESPN game. So I don't know if they could get the rights to show that one. I think they're going to show on Channel 13. Again, if you have a cable or satellite company that's showing it right now, I think they're going to show the the basketball game that Marshall won against um, Wichita State. I think they're going to show that one here next week. So that'll be cool as well. That one, as exciting as that was, doesn't have like the same feeling for me as the 1992 game did and getting to see Troy Brown out there. But again, I think Orlando Hatchet was a beast out there. I still, to this day, do not like Tamron Smith. And the fun thing is, I was joking around. Again, I was texting back and forth with, um, with Tim Stevens from the Herald-Dispatch. I'm like, Tim, what do you think? If there was an all yeah, and we were talking about this. If there was ever a an all nemesis team, Tamron Smith is the captain of that team. And so I told Tim, wait, look, because we were both talking at the same time. If you write this story, I, I want to have I want to be on the committee. I want to be on the committee here. And so he might write something. We might do something as well, but we were sharing the concept and the idea together. So, you know, if we do something on radio, we'll get Tim on. If Tim does something in, in print, hopefully uh, he'll uh, at least let me name the captain of this team. And I'm naming Tamron Smith, all nemesis team for the Thundering Herd. Nominations are now open. Text lines 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. And so I threw that out there. And then we came to an agreement when talking with who's on this team. And again, Tim's lived a lot of this. Tim Stevens has lived a lot of this. He's like, there's going to be a lot of Youngstown and Furman players on this all-nemesis team. And I'm like, you're right. And so he nominated Stanford Jennings to the list. So don't mention Stanford Jennings around Woody Woodrum. He'll twitch a little bit. Don't do it. Absolutely not. And then someone else jumped in and nominated Tubby Raymond as coach. And I'm thinking, no, not Tubby. I think Roy Kidd might have something to say about that. So I'm kind of curious if you were to come up with a list, start thinking about this. An all-nemesis team, all-nemesis team. And we might do this position by position, day by day. We might do this. 
if you're trying to figure out Murderer's Row, the players that just made you miserable going up against the Thundering Herd, the coaches that made you miserable going up against the Thundering Herd, and there might be some players out there, some coaches I haven't even thought of yet, but I'm going in the running back game, I'm putting forth Youngstown State, Tamron Smith, made me miserable. Now, we need to do this for basketball as well. Put the all-nemesis team together for basketball. This is the player that made you just want to hear fingernails on a chalkboard because it had been more soothing than that player, what they're doing to you on the court or on the field. So, start thinking about that. 304-396-TALK. 304-396-8255. We'll talk basketball. Tavion Kinsey, how do you do in last night's Summer League semifinal game between the Jazz and the Rockets? We'll break that down for you when we continue. We'll take a look at Marshall football players that have made the PFF.com preseason all-sunbelt team. We'll do that with you as well when we continue on this edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1. We're taking Paul Swan everywhere. Download or subscribe to The Drive with Paul Swan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Monday, July 17th edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Baseball action coming up tonight. The Thundering Herd had... It's day yesterday at Great American Ballpark, and then the Brewers spoil the outcome, beating the Reds 4-3. to Did you see on social media Coach Huff's pitch? What'd you think? A little high? He had to, he had to get off the mound a little bit. They had to come up a little bit. Do you think he, he, think he was just saving his arm, didn't want to actually show us really all his stuff? Not bad. I mean, I'm not saying I could do better, but not bad. Not bad from Coach Huff. But the Brewers beating the Reds 4-3, to so the Brewers have a two-game lead over the Reds in the division. Giants beat the Pirates in 10, 8-4, and the Guardians beat the Rangers yesterday 5-6. to Tonight, Giants taking on the Reds 7-10, first pitch there, and the Guardians taking on the Pirates 705 first pitch there. We're going to have that game right here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Summer League semifinal yesterday. Tavion Kinsey, I thought looked good yesterday. I don't know if you watched it, but if you did, I thought he looked good. And this was against the Houston Rockets. Rockets won 115 to 101. But I thought Kinsey looked good. I thought that he got to play a little bit more meaningful time. He was out there 35 minutes, 14 points. He was in double digits. That's good to begin with. He was 5 of 12, 1 of 3 from the three-point line. He had two offensive boards and four defensive rebounds. So six rebounds, but he had a few assists as well. He had one block, five assists, so that's good. Had a few turnovers, and he wasn't really in foul trouble, but he did have three. I thought he looked good out there. He's a little bit more versatile. I didn't think that he was just standing around. I thought he was a little bit more active offensively and defensively. He was contributing in all categories. He was scoring. 
He was getting to the glass a little bit more. He was rebounding. He was making some plays happen. I think that he created himself some value, especially in this game, some meaningful time here. I think he's going to get a two-way. I hope he does. Hopefully, he'll be able to showcase himself a little bit more, get some more development. I mean, for some players, it's really easy to make that transition to the next level, and not to say that it's hard for Tavion, but there are so many good players. I think he's in a system now where he's going to have some opportunity to develop, grow. I don't think there's a lot of pressure on him, especially as he was an undrafted free agent. So I think he's got an opportunity to really grow his game and develop. But I really like what he did yesterday. I thought he was a lot better. I thought he was a little bit more efficient. Yeah, I'm glad that he wasn't just chucking him up there. And it was good to see that he had a few contributions on the defensive glass and made some plays as well. Wasn't selfish with the ball. Even at a block. So you know he's playing. You know he's out there. And, of course, you know, this was a semifinal game, so a little bit more urgency to this one. I think that lent itself to the performance as well. So if Tavion can continue to build, and I think we've seen him build and grow a little bit, I think that he has an opportunity here for some long-term success. Is he going to crack the starting five of the Utah Jazz right away? I don't think so, but at the same time, I think he's got an opportunity. And if you've got an opportunity, you have the ability to make the most of it. So hopefully, I think he's going to be definitely in position. He's definitely going to be in position. And so now... I haven't heard yet, but I do believe he's still with the TBT team, and that's coming up. And by the way, we've got the television schedule for that. And first of all, we're going to carry the games. We're going to carry Best Virginia and Heard That next week. We've got the games. As long as Heard That or Best Virginia win, we'll have the game. Now, it's going to be on ESPN Plus for some of you. That's not a big deal. That's not a problem. But for a lot of you, that might be. So we've got the games because they're on ESPN+. Plus. If you don't have ESPN+, Plus, you can listen to them right here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. And let's hope that we, first of all, get that rematch between Best Virginia and Heard That. I think we might. And then, selfishly, let's hope that Heard That makes a run, gets out of the West Virginia Regional. But I know a lot of you would go up to that in Charleston. It's going to be in Wheeling this year. Is that going to really hurt, you think? You think it's going to hurt the attendance, how many people would actually go to that? In Charleston, at least, you had the case that if you were a Heard That fan, you can make the trip. If you were a Best Virginia fan, you can make the trip. And I know Best Virginia, they've been pushing to have this thing in Morgantown, and I get it. Honestly, the crowds would probably be bigger if it was in Morgantown, but I did like Charleston as the venue because it gave a lot of people opportunity to go see this. If you want to base it just on one team, you're going to have a sellout if Best Virginia's playing. And I think you'll have a lot of Herd fans make that trip, but how many Herd fans would make the trip to Morgantown? Or how many Herd fans would make the trip to Wheeling as opposed to Charleston? 
I think they're going to hurt themselves attendance-wise, but I could be wrong. We'll see. It's coming up here in a week. We've got it for you right here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Our text line, 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. Which football players from the Thundering Herd roster made the PFF.com All-Sun Belt team? We'll talk about that when we continue on this edition of The Drive. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Monday, July 17th edition, The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Our text line this hour is 304-396-TALK. That's 304-396-8255 to be a part of today's edition of the show. Earlier today, we got the word that the Pro Football Focus at PFF.com revealed its 2023 preseason All-Sun Belt teams. And good news, Marshall getting some respect in this. Several Marshall football players have been recognized. Let's start with the first team on the offensive side, Rasheen Ali. So on the running side of things, everybody knows that if uh, Rasheen Ali isn't on your first team, is it really your first team? Uh, Frank Gore Jr. is on there as well. That's going to be a fun battle in Sunbelt, don't you think? Frank Gore Jr., Rasheen Ali, which one's really going to be the most dominant running back in the Sunbelt? That's a debate and argument I'm looking forward to following. Also on the first team, Ethan Driscoll at tackle and Logan Osborne at center, both earning first-team positions. On the defensive side, Owen Porter gets the nod at edge, and then Micah Abraham at cornerback also making the first team. Second team, only a couple of players from the Thundering Herd listed, and that's Dalton Tucker and Eli Neal. So, Dalton Tucker is a guard. Eli Neal is a linebacker representing Marshall on the second team. And that's it. That's all your players that have been named. But you get five on the first team. That's pretty good. Seven overall, five on the first team. I'll take that. I'll absolutely take that. And, of course, more importantly, I think they got some of the right guys, too. If Owen Porter wasn't on this thing, I would yell foul right away. And Micah Abraham wasn't on this thing, I would yell foul right away as well. Uh, I like the nod given to Logan Osborne. And, of course, Rasheen Ali. If he's not the best running back in the Sun Belt right now, Frank Gore Jr. better have an amazing season. That's all I'm going to say on that. Grayson McCall was named quarterback for this first team. Is he, is he really that good, head and shoulders? Do you think he's going to be that good this season? That's going to be the big story for me. But going back for a second, I'm really interested to see if you're just going to compare them. I would, I would keep it to conference play. That's the thing I would do. I'd keep it to conference play just to, to keep sort of the, the playing field a little level, but – we can go overall as well. Who's going to have a better season, Rasheen Ali or Frank Gore Jr.? Make the case if you can. Now, 
obviously, it's going to be a biased crowd here, and that's fine. I'm all here for it. But do you think it's going to be close between Rasheen Ali and Frank Gore Jr.? Which one's going to be the best running back in the Sun Belt? And can you make an argument for someone else? I don't think you can. Unless something tragically goes wrong, I don't think you can make an argument for anyone else. And I know that Jalen White's pretty good at Georgia Southern. He made the second team. I know he's pretty good. But I don't know if I'm going to give anyone else a nod unless they prove themselves or have a fantastic start to the season. I think it comes down to Frank Gore Jr. and Rasheen Ali. They're going to be battling. And, of course, this is just a made-up battle between between us. Always got to put something to it, a spin. But I'm going to make the case here real soon, once these games start finally happening, I'm going to make the case why I think Rasheen Ali is better. I hope Rasheen backs me up on this, but – I know there's been a lot of attention. Frank Gore Jr. is getting a lot of attention. I think people have forgotten a little bit about Rasheen Ali. Maybe? What do you think? Is it is it just me, or is it Frank Gore getting a little bit more attention knowing that Rasheen Ali is right there? He's sitting right there. I mean, he hadn't left. He's still Rasheen Ali. And to be quite honest, to be quite honest, I think he might have gotten forgotten by a few people. Unfortunately for the Sun Belt, they're going to find out real quick. Text lines 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. Somebody texting in a nomination for the all-nemesis team. Now, this is basketball. We'll get the football one together soon. But Gail Moore, all-nemesis team. I don't know. Can we give him a waiver? Can we give him a pass? Is he still considered a nemesis for the Thundering Herd? Can we give him a pass? Because, after all, I think he made reparations. He made reparations. John Elmore, Odd Elmore, I think that's almost adequate reparations. Would you agree? Or is it? No, it doesn't matter what John did. It doesn't matter what. Ott did, Gail Moore still an enemy of the Thundering Herd on the basketball court any other time of the day. He's a super, super nice guy, right? We're just talking on the we're just talking on the court, right? I think he's made re- I think he's made reparations. All right. Texter says Dexter Coakley, linebacker for Appalachian State and Dallas Cowboys back in the day would be on the rivals list. Absolutely he would. I hated the fact he got drafted. Did that tell you how much I didn't like him back in the day? I'm remembering that now. When his name got called, and this is when I was still watching the draft, all the draft, Dexter Coakley, Appalachian State, I'm like, oh. Thankfully I'm not a Cowboys fan, but yeah, Dexter Coakley would definitely make the list. I'm getting a feeling that this all-nemesis team is going to be comprised of Youngstown State players, Furman players, and probably some App State players. So he's going to go on the list as well.
Dexter Coakley, definitely. Oh, I hated, I hated playing Appalachian State. Just hated those guys. It, it was all good fun, but still, I can remember when Marshall had to play them. It was, it was a playoffs, right? They had to go back to App State. I think I remember this correctly. They had to go to App State. So the playoffs, this was, was 87. And at that time, if you wanted to get really good sports coverage, it was CNN and headline sports. The stuff you see today on SportsCenter, a lot of it you have to give a nod to what CNN was doing, Headline Sports was doing. You have to give a nod to a lot of that. So they were given the push to Appalachian State that day. And I'm like, no, I can't believe this. Marshall's going to win this thing. And I think I'm remembering this right. If I'm wrong, someone please text in. Let me, let me know if I remember this wrong. But I do believe it was the App State game. Marshall was on the road. And CNN was like, no, it's going to be App State winning that game. I got to Google this now. 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. That's our text line to be a part of today's edition of The Drive here at ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Okay. It was. It was Appalachian State. It was December 12th. So I did remember it right. Marshall won that game 24-10. to 10. No one was giving Marshall a chance in that. Now, earlier in the season, but not that much earlier, Marshall lost in Boone 17-10 to 10 that season. That was a November 17th game. And so Marshall got into the 1AA playoffs and beat James Madison 41 to 12. And then Weber State 51-23. And going into Appalachian State, nobody was giving Marshall a chance because it was Appalachian State. And Marshall won that game 24 to 10, and then we all go to Pocatello and Marshall loses by one. But that's another story for another day. But yes, Dexter Coakley, all-nemesis team. 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. More coming up on this edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Our text line this hour is 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. Final segment of today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. It's been an interesting day. Found out earlier today that Randy Mazie is going to be Stepping down, he's going to transition to a senior advisor role 
within the Mountaineer baseball program after the 2024 baseball season. And so current associate head coach Steve Sabins is going to take over as the 20th head coach. And he's going to be there through 2029, which I don't know if I'm a big fan of the coach and waiting situation here, but they have established a timeline. And Maisie's been good 11 years, 336 wins, 250 losses. Mountaineers made regional appearances in 2017 and 2019 and 2023. And those were the first regional appearances for the Mountaineers since 1996. So I thought they had a really good year. 40 and 20 share of the Big 12 regular season championship. Maisie earned Big 12 Coach of the Year for the second time in the last four full seasons. He's got the credentials. So now he is transitioning over to a senior advisor role. And then Steve Sabins is coming in to be the head coach. He's been with the staff since 2016 as an assistant coach. He was elevated to associate head coach in 2022. So how does this work? If you're the head coach, how does this work? Because you're still the coach. So you want to do it your way until you're not the coach anymore. But at the same time, are you taking more input? Your associate head coach is saying, hey, let's do it this week because, you know, that's going to help me next year. Or let's take a pass on that guy because I'm going to be stuck with him and, you know, you might be able to deal with him. I'm not. How's that going to work? We're going to find out. Because right now the only good thing that's going for the Mountaineers truly is baseball of the big three. The big three. The only thing that's happening that has any hope of being successful is baseball. Football, right now, it's a train wreck. Basketball, absolutely train wreck. Baseball is only the good thing going for the Mountaineers. Text line 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. I want to get back to our early suggestions. All nemesis team for the Thundering Herd. We've already put... Dexter Coakley from Appalachian State. Quarterback of the all-nemesis team. Big Ben Roethlisberger. And I don't disagree with it. I can't come up with another quarterback. I don't think I can come up with another quarterback that might be as despised by Herd fans as Ben Roethlisberger. If you've got one, I want to hear it. But I would say Ben Roethlisberger, quarterback of the all-herd nemesis team, absolutely. And that's another guy. And let me tell you right now, I shake my head at herd fans. If you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, I shake my head at you sometimes. I do it anyway, but I shake my head at you because all these years, herd fans couldn't stand Ben Roethlisberger. The second he's drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's as if all is forgiven. Luckily for me, I'm not a Steelers fan, so all was never forgiven. I never liked that guy on the field, off the field. That's one of those players where I was happy the Herd had his number for the most part. But yes, Roethlisberger 
definitely on the all-nemesis team. Going back to the Mac days now. So is there a quarterback that's more despised that played against the Herd? Is there one? Can you put one on on the list that would trump Ben Roethlisberger? We, gotta, we have to have a backup quarterback, so we've got to find someone. There has to be a backup quarterback on the all-nemesis team. So if Roethlisberger's starting, who comes in off the bench? Who do we have? And it can be anyone. It has to be a football player that had significant success against significant success against the herd or was an irritant. You hated to see him on the field. You hated to see him out there. They drove you crazy. And they, they got away with things. They were good, too, and you just couldn't stand it. And so Dexter Coakley comes to mind when you say that. He was really good. Earned his way there. Roethlisberger, he leans more towards the irritant type for me than because he wasn't that successful against the Thundering Herd. I mean, keep this in mind. Marshall had more success against Roethlisberger, I believe. If I go back and, and did the math, I would say that Marshall got the better of Roethlisberger more than Roethlisberger did of Marshall. I need to go back and look at the math a little bit more just to see the stats, how successful he was. But, yes. Um, okay, I'll go with this. I'll, I'll entertain this. Uh, another quarterback for the all-nemesis team. Two choices, Pat White or Mark Bolger. Both excellent quarterbacks. More in line with their abilities and their talent. Pat White, Mark Bolger. But whereas they're talented, and so is Roethlisberger, don't get me wrong. I'm not irritated by Pat White or Mark Bolger. I don't know. Can you make the case, quarterbacks, Well, this is going to be a serious debate. We'll have this when we have more time. Let's make the case for quarterback probably first. Who's going to quarterback the all-nemesis team? Can you get on board with Roethlisberger, or can you get on board with Pat White, Mark Bolger? Is there someone else out there that maybe takes a little bit more precedence over these guys that was a serious irritant for the Thundering Herd and just don't know how they were able to have that success against the Herd? And... We might have to go back a little ways. We might have to go back into the Southern Conference days a little bit more. We might have to dig. There might be someone that really just gave it to the Thundering Herd. So that's your homework assignment, quarterback. Well, we might start there. And, of course, I don't know if current quarterbacks are, are eligible. I'd say, I would say any quarterback. Geno Smith's name just came up. Is, is Geno Smith the quarterback of the all-nemesis team here? Tell me about it tonight, tomorrow. You can find me on Twitter, at Paul Swan. We'll get back into this. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, Pirates baseball coming up tonight, taking on the Cleveland Guardians. That is coming up 640. It's going to be our airtime right here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'll be back with you tomorrow. We've got a busy day, busy day tomorrow. Uh, presser at Marshall, going to be announcing a new track and field coach officially to the media and the public. We'll have that coming up tomorrow. 
Until then, have a great night, everyone. Pittsburgh Pirates Baseball, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.